0: Thanks for joining us on uh, what are we doing today, Andre? Technical Tuesday, Thursday Theology. We're talking about I theology.
1: I think it's I think it's theology.
0: Theology. Right. We're doing theology. Stay tuned. All right, Thursday Theology. Andre with me today. What are we talking about, bro? Uh, Will you play a game, Mike? All right, let's do it.
1: Right, here's the game. You ready? Yes. I'm ready. Okay. You have to answer yes or no. Okay? You're not going to put in any caveats or Mm -hmm. any qualifications. You have to answer yes or no, and you have to answer. Okay? Okay? Mm -hmm. Right, you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Is the prosperity gospel a false gospel? Yes. Is dispensationalism a false gospel? No. Is Arminianism a false gospel?
0: Well, hang on, we have to go back a little bit because you got to you got to talk. Is a, are we talking about classical dispensationalism, Scofield? Uh, I mean, there no are like, different forms.
1: Mike. Were you not? Now, <clears throat>
0: but it's like you're asking me two no.
1: different.
0: No, I'm going to assume no. that you've said. I warned you that you've said progressive I you, This is the rules
1: of the game. You have to answer. It has to be yes or no. All right. It's,
0: okay. No
1: qualifications. Okay,
0: but I'm just saying, I have assumed you've mentioned progressive dispensationalism. I've just assumed that, and I say, yes. I mean, no, it's not a false gospel. Go for it.
1: You break the rules. No, I haven't. I've just just voiced my assumption. What about a view, a dispensational view that regards uh, the need or, or the Old Testament promises being fulfilled prior to the second coming of Jesus?
0: Yeah, no, look, my paradigm is that anything that basically... Even yes if or no?
1: did. this is a simple game. No, okay, all right, all right, you get the point of the game. So the point of the game is, if we regard... Okay, why is the prosperity gospel a false gospel? Let's, let's, let's start there. Um, yeah,
0: again, I suppose we have to grade a
1: Yeah, I mean, this is why I didn't want to do qualifications, because we could make distinctions all the way along.
0: Yeah, because you got like everything from Kenneth Haig and, you know, like the... Benny Hinn deal to Joyce Meyer is a little bit more mild, I suppose, you know, like, but still prosperity gospel.
1: So I guess what I'm meeting by prosperity gospel is any preaching that says the gospel promises health and wealth to the believer in this life now.
0: Yeah. Like it's a more over-realized eschatology at that level um, than than a false gospel. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's a false gospel, you know, when when um, they insist on any kind of works for salvation. It's a false gospel if they are not dealing with the central tenets of the gospel. So the resurrection, um, the you know repentance of sin, um, the need for uh, uh, salvation from our state, um, the, the promise if they in any way changed what Jesus has earned for us in, in terms of heaven, uh, they start I wouldn't think. You, wouldn't around. you
1: include, though, in your proclamation of the gospel— what what Christ has saved us for? In other words, the Christian hope. Absolutely, yeah. So, isn't it fair to say that that is part of a gospel proclamation? Uh, no, I'm saying you must have that. Okay, yeah. So therefore, it can still be a false gospel. It's just even if it's even if it's keeping substitutionary atonement. Yep. Don't, but it's rejecting. Um, yeah,
0: it'd just be one thing. I mean, that would be one way to make it a false gospel if you reject substitutionary atonement. But there are other things yes. as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, so if you are messing around with the Christian hope.
0: So, for example, what I'm thinking is if you don't need to repent of your of sin. Yeah, yeah, if you're messing around with the Christian hope, the second coming, if, you bring, if you're saying the second coming has already happened, if anything like uh, of the central tenets, I think you're into the realm of false gospel, heresy.
1: Okay, but what if you said, you know, what the, what Christ has won for you through his substitutionary atonement is healing and wealth.
0: I'd say amen. You
1: there? I, I'm, I'm speechless. Dumbfounded.
0: <laughs> I'd say hey, amen, but just when we die.
1: No, but that's, you didn't listen to all the words.
0: Okay. All right. Go.
1: <laughs> I said, what if you're teaching that Christ's substitutionary atonement achieved for you health yes. and wealth in this life now? Oh, right. <laughs> That part cut out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> like, I, oh, man. This is getting awkward.
0: I would say it's overrealized eschatology, yeah, and it's a false gospel. And that it f- it promises, uh, you know, it promises a false. See, the thing is, they don't just portray heaven early; they portray things that not even heaven is, you know. So they give false elements of the promise. They don't just um, talk about what we would talk about is going to happen in heaven. They talk about yeah. uh, things that God has never promised to do. They've, if anything, what they've done is they've they've um, they've used Israel's theocracy. As their paradigm for Christian life, which is. Um, and the
1: covenant of works.
0: Yeah, and it's just a typology that they've kind of blended with their contemporary version of it. Yeah, so we'll be blessed in the <laughs> yeah. land and have long life. And- so,
1: surely if you're making promise on Christ's behalf, on the basis of his death and resurrection, that aren't, are things that are never promised by God, surely yeah. that. Yep, that's a definitely into the realm of distortion. false gospel.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay. So we're saying that an over-realized eschatology, promising things that are only promised to us in eternal life, promising those things to us and more besides now, uh, even though that's never taught in the Bible, is does represent a false gospel.
0: Oh, totally! But even there, you got to be careful because there are there are like, you know, uh, there, there's a, a spectrum, I suppose, because you've got you've got. Um, uh, like I think even First Corinthians, you know, where, or even the first century, the um, where they they thought, hey, there's any form where hey, actually we're in glory and we're like the angels now, and you know Jesus has already come back. I mean, obviously you're into some severe heresy and false gospel stuff, um, but um, at the same time, you might have elements that tend toward overrealized eschatology that aren't aren't necessarily denying. Uh, you know the central tenets, so they're more in the heterodox category than uh, than heresy. So yeah, that's how I would I would configure it anyway.
1: Um, right now, let's move on to dispensationalism, okay? Because I was having this conversation with my wife this morning, because I am currently doing a series, preaching a topical series, um, or so I. I prefer to say expounding the theme of the church in the scriptures. Okay. Um, So, and one of the things that comes up talking about the church is the relationship between the church and the kingdom and the relationship between the church and Israel. But it also comes up when you're talking about that biblical image of the church as the temple Um, and the implications of Christ saying you know, the temple is his body or the woman in the well saying, um, um, uh, Jesus saying to the woman, in the well, uh, you know, there will come a time when you no longer worship on this mountain, uh, nor in Samaria, but you worship in spirit and in truth. In other words, saying the location of worship isn't going to matter because there is going to be a temple because I'm here. <clears throat> so, um, you know, those kinds of things impact on on dispensationalism. So what I was thinking about is the reason why I think prosperity gospel is a false gospel is because it promises false things, even when they do agree with the doctrine of substitutionary atonement. Um they are still promising false thing basis of that. So it's, it's a false it's, literally a false
0: know, good news. Yeah. Gospel meaning good news. It, it is a false yeah. good
1: news, exactly. Yeah, it's the wrong good news, <laughs> yeah, it's just different. It's a different thing. Um, and you could just say it's over-realized eschatology, but that's fine. But in, in the end, it's to actually making false promises. So yeah, when false. we're
0: talking about maybe so, a good way to the health and wealth prosperity gospel, you know, in, in the way that it's cl- with the classic old school sort of heretics. I mean, yeah, okay. yeah I mean, that's that's a helpful way to because when I when I think of um, prosperity gospel, I'm thinking like almost every single Kind of tendency of every charismatic church I've ever been to goes in that direction, you know. And it's just almost like wrapped up in the charismatic doctrine at some level in that you, you're you expecting yeah. to be made healthy, you know, when you get sick, if you just pray enough, if you, you know, got to have enough faith. And, and all that stuff isn't necessarily – it's more just a confused – You know, um, Uh, year and there, but when you've got that whole, if you come to Jesus, don't worry about. Yeah, firstly they're denying repentance of sin to get people in, and then they're saying, hey, now you can expect. It's just uh, maybe Joel Osteen is a good, you know, contemporary representative of this. It's just pure bollocks, you know.
1: (laughs) You can't say that in England, bro. Anyway, yeah, but that's totally um, that's totally uh, right, I think, because. um, uh, what was I saying? It's the kind of name it and claim it um, where they quote Isaiah saying, by his stripes we are healed, and then apply that to physical health. And actually, the context is is sin, healed yeah. from well, sin. Well, and it's in
0: resurrection. Context. Like we will be. And resurrection. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, but, but yeah. So, okay. So, what here's, you know, I feel quite comfortable saying that that's a false gospel, but. I, um when it comes to dispensationalism i I'm, I'm just going to go straight for any form of dispensationalism here okay because all forms of dispensationalism are united by the same common thread which is that ultimately there is a distinction between the church and israel right uh yeah except the uh, progressive
0: dispensational guys you know i'm thinking now Dallas seminary um most of the faculty um, anyone pretty much almost except for MacArthur and and that school, um, have found a way to functionally unite the church and Israel through the kingdom. And that's that's a big step in the right direction. And it yes, almost makes it
1: a, do they see do they still see a split between the church and Israel, for instance? Um,
0: they do, but not in the same way that they used to. So they almost see it in the way that like it's it's very it's not the Reformed Baptist approach but for example they would they would come so they would see the remnants of Israel and the church and really at the end of the day they see the complete continuity between the two all they're doing okay. is they're 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 not wanting to begin the timeline of that technical thing called the church prior to pentecost and um, and they but they're wanting no longer is is Israel and um and the church separated at any functional level. So at the end, we're all together. You know what I mean? Which is basically the thing. And at the end, we're all um, in the kingdom, and the kingdom is on earth. And you know, there's no difference. Not like the the church is flying around on a giant solar cube anymore, while, while Israel gets the earth and all that sort of stuff. And um, and so you know, it's even where there are. It's almost like a semantic difference at some level, and uh, technical glitches. But it's not it's not the that big problem that it was. But anything prior to progressive dispensational I would agree
1: okay all right yeah I'll, I'll run with that for now um, uh, because I'm just trying to I've got I happen to have a book in front of me that gives a definition of the different kinds of dispensationalism um, I'm just trying to see if there's a nice quotable little section to it I got notes have you things. read that anyway, book I, I, I,
0: I, Okay, yeah. that book by Kenneth oh, okay. Gentry called dispensationalism rightly dividing the people of God <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a great title. I haven't
0: I haven't uh, read it's Gen- like this flipping post millennial crazy dude. But anyways, cool.
1: No, I have I have um I have a book by Peter Gentry. Oh really? Okay. And Stephen Willem. And uh essentially I can't uh, I can not find like a nice quotable bit to read, but um essentially the difference it seems is that uh they believe all the stuff that we believe, except they still have a place for Israel's national people in their eschatology. Yeah,
0: school. which, you know, it overlaps with many elements of Reformed theology, you know, and not, not in yeah, terms yeah, of the Israel's like the ethnic there. people. But yeah, the Puritan deal. Yeah, exactly. So... Um,
1: no, so that... Okay, all right. So let's leave them out of the equation. Um, and, uh, right. So what they're essentially doing, though, is that they are... Taking uh, uh, promises that are eschatological and seeking to realise them now, right? That's that's it's over-realised eschatology in a sense, isn't it? What do you mean by
0: that? In the sense that they're they're expecting
1: land, the land promised in the Old Uh, Testament. They're expecting that to happen to Israel in this lifetime. Um, They're expecting the temple to be rebuilt in this lifetime.
0: Yeah, now I would put that less in, in over-realized eschatology and more in um, uh, failed hermeneutic in, in, in the sense that um, I don't think that's ever going to happen es. it's never promised, you know what I mean? Like even in, in, in some sort of millennium in the future, it's, we're never going to see the temple again, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not just that they're bringing that forward, it's that they've actually misunderstood what the temple is pointing to.
1: Yeah, so instead of applying it, to Christ in the church, they're applying it to something else. They're applying it literally, you know, to a literal interpretation of, that Israel is going to have the land and the temple. Right. So, yeah. and,
0: and But like, it, that's what I mean. It's not, a, it's not an over-realized eschatology. It's more okay. just a completely different interpretation.
1: Mm, okay, now I see your point. Yeah, no. Because
0: it's never going to happen, eschatologically.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, no, no. It, sure. If anything, they've got to under-realize because it has happened. Jesus is the temple, and he's already come, you know? Yeah, that, I that, guess I guess I was thinking
1: it. we are going to be given the, the land, and we are going to be given the temple. You know, Revelation twenty-one, 22, we're going to live in the new creation, the new Jerusalem, and uh, the whole of Jerusalem is going to be a temple. So I think that's exactly right, except...
0: The already not yet thing throws a spanner in that because what what is what is going to be consummated at that point has already begun, has already been inaugurated, so that it's an underrealized yes. eschatology at that level.
1: Okay, no, no, fair enough. Okay, I withdraw. I withdraw. All right, here's the other point though, um, that in Ephesians, okay, uh, Ephesians chapter two, in particularly verses eleven to twenty that second half of Ephesians chapter two, it talks about how Jesus in his death has broken down the dividing wall of hostility and created in himself one new man out of the two, Jew and Gentile. So one of the direct implications of the gospel of substitutionary atonement is that uh, Jesus Christ has abolished the distinction between Jew and gentile it's now christ or not in christ that's that's the new division now you know what they say about
0: Fair. that what so they say that's true for the church the church age the parentheses that's yeah, that's the it's deal temporary.
1: So after after this the 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 millennium or whatever. <clears throat> Jew and gentile will be split into different eternal eternal destinies. Well, how
0: I've heard it um, uh, represented is, which is even more messed up, is that um, you, the Jews, the poor, the poor Jews who um, who happen to become Christians while the Church Age is happening during this parentheses age, they don't actually get to hang out with their fellow Jews. They just they're 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 locked down with the Church on the cube. <laughs> So they never get to be with their Jewish buddies again. They they just they they made the fateful mistake of of being born like prior to the revival or something, you know? So 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 basically they're forever stuck with the Gentiles in the church, being unfortunately made one man with the Gentiles forever. Which they're stoked with because they're part of the church, but everyone in Israel as an ethnic nation prior and everyone post rapture is what you know, So basically the whole thing is they've—the reason why the dispensational deal is so difficult to say is a false gospel is they have got a true gospel within a small subset of their theology. That's the, that's the issue. It's like the whole yeah, okay, but, theology but... is actually about Israel, and then you pause the clock on Israel because they messed up, and then you've got this parentheses age, which is almost exactly the same in terms of its— connection to any other orthodoxy. You know, you've got um, you, just every every facet of the gospel there and everything's true for the church. But then as soon as the rapture happens, uh, it's back to this other theology that no one knows anything about. That's nothing to do with orthodoxy. And that's where, it, you know, so if we're talking about the Israel gospel thing, you know, I mean, obviously, it's a d- deeply false messed up gospel at, you know, at every level. Well, but if we're talking I, I about the parentheses say. age, that's true.
1: Yeah, but... Ultimately, they're still creating a separation between Jew and Gentile. Um, well, that's why
0: I say like, they're not, they're not for the church. You know what I mean? So they're saying Christ has made Jew and Gentile together in the church, for the church, always, as the church. But the church is not Israel. So it's a different thing. That's the deal.
1: But, but isn't, that, isn't that still flying in the face of the passage, though? I mean, you can talk to anyone. You can talk to Jehovah's Witness and and find some degree of validity. You know, uh, obviously not to the same extent, but like you know, like they have some some arguments that sound plausible and valid. But at the end of the day, they they contradict biblical truth. And I think now I'm not just bear with me because I'm not I'm not rushing to condemn dispensationalism. What I, what the kind of question behind the question is? Um, at, what is the line at which point you say something is false and not? Now, if the, like for the traditional perspective, you say that 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 um, unity between Jew and Gentiles temporary, it, you know, it, it lasts for the church age, but then after that, after the millennium, or during, is it during the millennium? I'm not, I'm not sure. Not hundred percent. Every during some yeah. eschatological future. The um, Jew and Gentile will be split, and heaven will be for the church, or for the Christians, uh, for the sorry for the Gentile Christians, and the new and the earth, the new creation, will be for the Jewish Christians. That's how they described it to me. Now, to me, that is a a deliberate unraveling of what the gospel actually achieved. So, isn't isn't that basically saying, isn't isn't it? that Jesus' death didn't actually achieve what the Bible says it achieved.
0: Oh, it's now, right. if that so, isn't yeah. a
1: false gospel, then then what is?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, so the thing is, it is ach- the difficult. I mean, okay. So two points. They say it, the death of Jesus achieved exactly what it was meant to achieve for the church, exactly what we believe. Except the church itself is parenthetical. So you know that's that's the issue that that that. And so, yeah, when we, when, so we think about that, and we're going, oh, my goodness, that means you're leaving out. It's like Marcionism or something, you know. You're, you're just leaving out. You're, you're chopping the Bible into two, two different plans, two different peoples. two. And in that sense, you've got a different gospel in the Old Testament. Um, the, you know, it's a gospel of works. It's a, it's a test system. It's a dispensationalism, uh, which is exactly what they've come out with, uh, you know, each dispensation had its own test if you pass that test you whatever and it's just a different category of thinking entirely so in that sense yeah it's like completely foreign to to anything we know as as covenantal theologians as the gospel which is totally all-consuming you know but the, the difficulty may is that it, it's actually wrapped up in in kind of a heterodoxy as well in that you you don't just um but but actually just before i go there I mean, when we're talking about, as I said earlier, when we're talking about that classical, old-school, Darbian kind of um, dispensationalism, yeah, I I 100% think it's just alien to orthodoxy. It's completely a false gospel. Um, To the degree that that's softened, it's become more of a heterodoxical issue in that it's misunderstood the Old Testament and its relationship to the New. But thankfully, the thing that saves it and keeps it from being a false gospel entirely, as it were, is because every, every... points of orthodoxy gets affirmed within the parenthetical age which is our current age the age that it's it's most relevant to us um and so that helps them but then what i was going to say as well is that the most comforting thing about all this is that no one really believes it anymore which is you know, groundswell, maybe Tim LaHaye, maybe, Uh, you know, the left behind books and all of its groundswell, maybe MacArthur, but even MacArthur is kind of leaky, as he himself admits. Uh, But maybe the Master's Seminary is the last bastion of like true old school dispensationalism. Uh, Beyond that, but
1: all I know is that all of the evangelical pastors in Felixstowe, which there are not many, Okay. But all of them are dispensational.
0: Yeah, there would be. There'd be the, the sort of groundswell movement, totally. So how it worked was any any autonomous Baptist church was just, you know, ready for the picking, yeah. Um as this uh old school. Pentecostals, charismatics. Pentecostals, totally. Anything anything that uh didn't have as the fibre of its theology, a covenant theology, you know, which which tended to be taught, like, you know, the, the Presbyterian Anglican churches. Okay. But but it just, uh, anything, see, like, think about the Baptist thing, which itself is a problem. If Baptist churches label themselves by their Baptist doctrine, that they dunk people, then their most important concern in terms of their identity is how to show that they shouldn't uh, baptize infants but dunk people. So anything that's going to, as a system, come along and, and slay any possibility of the, you know, why on earth would we dunk our kids with a dispensational um, um Background, you know, um, mm-hmm. so they just lapped that stuff up and they're like, Oh, this is our theology, this is a Baptist theology, and so it just it became almost synonymous with Baptist theology, uh, and just completely, um, you know, and obviously, you've got an Arminian framework which it lends itself towards, um, and so anything non Calvinist, non covenantal, yeah. it just gobbled up alive as a movement, Good. and um, and okay. so you still have those tendencies.
1: that, does creating that, that paradigm of. The church being parenthetical does that really get you off the hook though because like you are i, I mean you could say that about anything um, well i believe jesus is divine in the parenthetical sense that he's divine for the time being you know like doesn't like in one sense okay like, i can like if i created a paradigm of jesus divinity being you know temporary or parenthetical that doesn't get me off the hook as being a heretic no
0: but it's almost like that would be a different Level of error because it's it's on the it's it's um, you know you're dealing with the person of God then you know you're actually denying yeah. the divinity of Christ. Okay, but I'm
1: dealing with the cross of Christ in Ephesians 2.
0: Yeah, so okay, so what they would say um, is, uh, and again, you know, they is almost an impossible category right now. But let's say uh, we restrict it to um, you know a very almost non-existent form of dispensationalism right now. Um, okay. They would say that um, you've got uh, Jesus' death um, only being relevant, um, only intended to be relevant for the Gentiles and the Jews during the parenthetical age so as to provoke Israel and bring bring uh, the, the prophetic clock back on, on track. And they are then saved through their covenant keeping according to works. Um, that's the deal, you know, uh, or essentially by grace in the promise that, that God has made to Abraham, but then through almost like a federal vision kind of thing, um, which is just messed up, you know? So yeah, in that sense, they're limiting the efficacy of the cross, but they're doing so, um, not, not as a thing to itself. It's not, they're not looking at the cross in isolation and saying, um, you know, Jesus is power and glory needed to be limited to this they're, they're, they're doing it more as a matter of theological construct which uh means that their deep point of heresy is is what they have believed for israel rather than what they believe for the church which is why i think it does slightly get them off the hook not not completely though you know i ain't no friend of dispensationalism so I don't want to make it sound like no, that yeah but yeah i, I think, think you have it is to just
1: understand a- why one is a false gospel one isn't because i, I, I get what you're saying but it's still it's still not true. Like the whole thing about what they're saying about... Um, so why are you straight? I mean, it is a false gospel, of- though.
0: If you're talking about classical, old-school dispensationalism, that is false gospel, 100%. Well, I'm
1: thinking any, any teaching, because so, in, I guess, okay, maybe, maybe it's helpful to step back and say, in, in the past, I thought of, as ecclesiology, as a kind of, not quite a secondary issue, but not necessarily on the same level as the atonement, right? Um, and so, I guess that is a secondary issue. But um, the, what I'm, what I'm, my reflection on Ephesians two, and not just Ephesians two, but also like the stuff about the temple, and um, and that is that actually, if you deny the eternal unity of Jew and Gentile in Christ, you are denying the cross of Christ in Ephesians. What, what Jesus did, yeah. So, so, like, it's really hard to say that's not an essential thing. That's that's what got me onto this, because nobody condemns any anyone anymore as being a false teacher or as anything being heresy. It's just like we don't do that. Um, and I'm concerned that... Uh, we are much more comfortable to condemn the prosperity of health and wealth, prosperity teaching um, than we are to condemn people who are really committing very similar level heresies. Um, And I'm not eager to condemn my dispensational friends. So I'm not, it's not that I'm rushing, I just want to have a consistent level at which I condemn things. You know, like, um, and that's what I'm struggling with, because it seems to me like this, the eternal unity of Jew and Gentile is a fundamentally gospel issue. It, it involves the death of Jesus on the cross, it, the two purposes in Ephesians 2 for the death of Jesus, one to reconcile God's man in Christ, and the other to reconcile Jew and Gentile in Christ. And if we're saying that reconciliation is arbitrary or, or temporary or hasn't really, in truth, done anything then i think we are denying not only the church but the cross of its proper place in in biblical theology so and it, the same would so, so for anyone who's who's denying the eternal unity Jewish gentile in the church that would be a big issue for me the other thing is you know even when people are insisting as many many christians do that the temple is going to be rebuilt because God promised it to Israel. Okay. In the one hand, it's a bad hermeneutic. But on the other, Jesus said, I am the temple. And when he died, the temple curtain tore from top to bottom, rendering the temple obsolete. So, again, to say there's going to be a temple, doesn't that fly in the face of like Jesus' death, which tore the curtain? Don't, absolutely, yeah. So
0: totally. I, now, thankfully, again, um, progressive guys I've spoken to don't insist on a temple being rebuilt. You know, which yeah, for okay. that exact yeah. reason. And so, when when to maybe to spin it, you know, if you're listening to this near dispensational, I just want to apologize up front for my brother. You know, he's in an angry mood. <laughs> He's, he's throwing grenades at Paul Maxwell. He's trying to take on dispensationalism. Just, just uh, give him some grace. But uh, when, let me let me uh, spin this in a positive direction. Um, I am very, very encouraged. I'm very I, I, like I, as a as a system of theology. I'm disturbed by dispensationalism. Okay, but as a movement, I'm super encouraged by it because. Yeah, they, they started out honestly in just pure heresy. There's just nothing good to say about the original dispensational deal. You know, old school closed brethren uh, kind of deal. Uh, and, and just even the way that the first few years after that, it just evolved the lock and diagrams and all that sort of nonsense. But it seems like because they wanted to, Schofield, for example, wanted to build this thing from the ground up and they had this strong ethos on historical grammatical hermeneutics. Um that thankfully has, has sort of retained itself as the centerpiece of the movement. And it just it's a testimony to the fact that if you give the Bible its, its, its true um, you know, time and, 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 uh, and energy in terms of interpretation, uh, you'll correct course. you know, If you study the Bible and are willing to change things as you move uh, in, in understanding where you've gone wrong, uh, and you and you take the word seriously, which which as an ethos in dispensationalism they really do. They um, you know they're always big on the languages. They're, they're biblicist in many yeah. ways.
1: No, I, I I do agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: And and so you know what it does is actually it's forced them as a movement not to go into any liberalism. You see them stay right away from that, but as a movement to go. Wait a minute. Uh, we have said some things that just can't be can't be. Uh, reconciled with a good hermeneutic so they've, they've actually well I don't you know it's hard to say as a movement they've had the humility to change but certainly people within the movement have 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 been willing to to modify and tweak and move forward uh, to today where you have uh, you know I think of the bible.org guys and uh, Michael Patton and and uh, Daryl Bach even and uh, just they're, they're not even wanting to use the term dispensational anymore they're wanting to call themselves not progressive dispensationalists but progressive covenantalists <laughs> which at that point is almost indistinguishable from like a Reformed Baptist hermeneutic you know uh, with the very I mean they're holding on to loose little engine parts wanting to have like the, the, the kingdom incorporate everything um uh, rather than the church and, and you know wanting to hold on to certain term, uh, terminology differences. but wow I mean if you think about that in contrast to where they started, jeez, I mean that's 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 something that that's a move in the right direction. And to think that the most I think the homiletics guy in, in Dallas is the only old school dispensational guy left I think maybe not even anymore I and mean, that's okay. pretty impressive. Okay. So, you know, that's good. And, and all we're dealing with in some ways is the groundswell, which is more driven by a folk theological angle anyway. It's just like people that are taken up in, in, in all sorts of, uh, you know, just just mishmashes and Tim LaHaye's and all that sort of thing. And um, it's almost like you're not really expecting much from that sort of caliber of theology to begin with. And, um, and all you have to do is wait for it to like sort of die out. You know, it's not going to be driven by the academy anymore. So that's an, that's an encouraging point, um, but yeah, man. I mean, phew, wow, it's it, it's a yeah. serious serious thing, serious thing to like to undermine the work of Christ at that level, you know.
1: Um, well, that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, so the book Kingdom Through Covenant, which is the one written by Peter Gentry and Stephen Willem.
0: Okay, that's what I had in mind. now. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, so it. It begins with a helpful summary of both dispensationalism and covenant theology. Um, And in that description, it has all the different kinds of dispensationalism. Its description of the progressive dispensationalism does put slightly more emphasis on the division. So maybe not the temple, but they would certainly see Israel inheriting the land separately from
0: yeah, they see um, they see a, a unity through kingdom rather than body. That's the thing. So they've seen Christ's work bring all things together in the kingdom rather than in the body of the church, which is where the difference okay. lies.
1: Yeah, but I don't—yeah, I don't, okay. No, yeah, it is slippery, and I don't buy it. Just because just you create separate categories that make it sound plausible doesn't make it any less serious. It's not true. But, um Again, so uh, what does it say? It uses the uh, there's a particular language that it uses, where it talks about them being governed as enjoying the same um, the same salvation, redemptive blessings, but they're governed as Jew and Gentile. So the nations do remain distinct, but. They, they make up a saved, like you, like you say, they make up a kingdom of saved people, but Jews will be governed distinctly from Gentiles.
0: Yeah, totally. So just all those uh, things that we would regard as prophetic idiom where, you know, uh, all, the, all the nations would come to Mount Zion and worship there and, you know, they would take that literally.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, it, okay, so I, I, I would probably say that that is, is walking a very fine line, I guess, isn't it? Because you, you you're keeping some degree of unity there, but you are very, very close to still still undermining well, it, it does undermine what Christ doesn't across, but it, it maybe not quite so seriously as other forms of dispensationalism.
0: Yeah, for sure. I've got this um there's this great there's this great review, okay, on uh sixteen eighty nine federalism about Kingdom Through Covenant. Um but every time I click on it, I go to a Viagra page.
1: Oh, that means it's got a virus. The website's got a virus. Stop Is clicking on it, Mike. Is it? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, it happened. It happened to. Um, it happened to the judo website here. Yeah, every time you click on it, it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, well, because because websites have to have protection. No have rest. to have virus protection.
0: Right. <laughs> that was a good review. I don't know how to get to
1: it. No. Well, do you want some Viagra? because <laughs> yeah, seems you can wow. get that
0: man. That's amazing. Well, at least I know Brandon now, I can tell him to go and sort that out, anyway. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, you,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the kind of idea though, um, as to where I was going with this was not actually about dispensationalism or about the prosperity gospel, it was about being consistent in where we draw the line on true and false, uh, you know. Um, you know, slight distortions of the gospel or slight misunderstandings about the gospel and actually when it becomes a false gospel. And I think one of the things we'd say is it has to do with the person of Christ and the work of Christ, right? Like, so those, that that's the center of it. I mean, I think the gospel's more than that. You could summarize the gospel as being creation, fall, you know, redemption, new creation. You know, so all of those things are in some sense essential to how you tell the gospel. But, um, you know, I think if we just, for the purposes of what you would hear on a Sunday, um, you know, I think it's obvious to us when a JW comes along and says, Jesus is a second God who's created by God, but is allowed to be worshipped as well as God. Like, I think we can all recognize that that's, that's like a major error. Like you, that, just can't, that just can't happen in the Bible. Um, but I think the subtle things is where the crosses, and, and similarly in evangelical circles, though some would actually deny things like substitutionary atonement, most often I think the errors come in not talking about Jesus' death itself or the atonement itself, but talking about what the atonement achieves. I think that's where the problem comes in so um even i I think I feel like some forms of reform theology drift very dangerously into this era you know mono covenantalism can sometimes conflate law and gospel to the extent that they, you barely see grace in the work of christ
0: well i suppose um even Arminianism, you know
1: well totally. yes, yeah. exactly. That's why I brought it up at the beginning, because so I, you know, when you begin to see this, when you begin to see that there are all these little subtle underminings of the work of Christ on the cross, not only the explicit ones, but the ones that deny the efficacy of the cross or, or the the hope that the cross provides, then suddenly you start to realize, oh man, there's there's a whole lot of this going on, and and so I think it is important for us to have proper lines in our minds as to know how do we So what would you say we, is the difference oh, between
0: I suppose here's the thing. Like when you say false gospel, I'm I think immediately heresy, right?
1: Yeah, well that is what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. I'm and, saying I'm I'm saying false gospel is heresy.
0: Right. And so that's the hesitation in that you don't want to these subtle you don't want to condemn someone of yeah. You don't want to go all the way to heretic You want to go more to her- heterodox Or something um, and, um, and so They are on the same Tangent we might say Or uh, on, on the same path um, In that they are moving Towards a heresy But are not quite there yet And maybe that's, um, you know, like I'm just not going to call a heretic, uh, an Arminian a heretic. You know what I mean? Although every one of our Puritan forebears would have no problem with that.
1: (laughs) You know, John Gill would certainly approve. (laughs) With the nostrils distended to detect even the faintest hint of Arminianism. Totally. So maybe uh, that's the real thing uh, to
0: distinguish the difference between heresy and heterodoxy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's an, exactly. That's, it's a whole other subject, but
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Well, probably we should leave that for that's next it. time. I think so. We've condemned all heretics and solved all <laughs> the problems of the world, yeah. and uh, we have no more dispensational friends. And
1: no. Well, just to, just to be fair, just to be fair, I I do not I do not want to. Yeah, my my. My goal was not to try and find or justify my my desire to condemn dispensationalists. I just want to look back. And it sounded, However, pretty,
0: sounded pretty condemning.
1: Well, those like dispens- good,
0: we're doing a good cup, bad cup thing.
1: It's like, <laughs> yeah. The real strength of you guys is that you're slowly coming to adopt my opinion. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I
0: mean, it's hard being the. Yeah. I've, I've always found it kind of lonely being the only one that's correct, you know. And it's just good to see some <laughs> friends coming into the fold. <laughs> um, <laughs> so and then, and then Andrew comes along and you know you're like dude you guys suck you're going to hell and uh, oh,
1: just yeah, I mean I always say two dispensational friends who are still trying to build a temple I just honestly I do not know what to say to you at that point and two dispensational friends who still don't think that uh, the church is the typological fulfillment of Israel for all eternity I, I just don't know I don't know what to say. Like, I just, there is, there are no, if the Bible hasn't made those things so unbelievably clear, I just do not know what could be said. No, I know. That's um, the
0: same point I reach. And it's just, it's, uh, they talk about a system driving it, you know, really. And, yeah. it, and there is a, I've never seen anything more uh, exemplary of that idea that where, you know, your system drives your exegesis. Wow. wow. The irony in the whole, uh. Being biblicist thing sometimes just kills me, you know. In that they yeah. would not be saying what they're saying if they just allowed the New Testament to interpret the Old. But that's the problem; they won't. They won't follow a, a apostolic hermeneutic. That's the, they need to have the Old Testament according to Schofield interpret the New, you know. And you get two new covenants, and oh my goodness, it just turns to custard. Oh boy. <laughs> Anyways, so. Cool. Let's leave it at that. Love you, Dispensationalists. Yeah.
1: <laughs> love, love you guys so much. Just thanks to give you thanks
0: for rightly dividing the people of God. You know? <laughs> <That's it. laughs> All right, bro. Cool. Um, right. Thanks for Have joining you. us. That's Thursday Theology. Uh, Puritan style, baby. <laughs>